This episode is brought to you by the Weather Channel app. Did you know the app can help you forecast more than just the weather? With allergy tracking and fluid mapping. So you know when to stay inside and load up on podcast, As well as air quality and UV indexing. So you know when to get outside, load up on sunscreen and podcast. Forecast more of what you love with the Weather Channel app. Hello everybody and welcome to Care Talk. My name is Laura Packard, and I am a cancer survivor with firsthand experience with the American healthcare system. We're here to help you and answer your questions and also talk about larger things that you should know about that affect your health. Our special guest for today is Tori Cross from Caring Across Generations, and she's going to be talking about a debt ceiling bill that Congress just passed, uh, what's in it, what's not in it, and how it affects you. Welcome, Tori. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to speak with all of you. Um, So I'm Tori Cross. I'm the Associate Director of Federal Policy and Government Relations at Caring Across Generations. Caring Across Generations is a national campaign of disabled people, older adults, family caregivers, and direct care workers. And we're all working together to build a care system that works for everyone. And we've really spent the last six months fighting hard to stop some proposals that would have gutted healthcare for millions of people. And that's what this debt seal deal, that's what this debt ceiling deal prevents. So can you tell us, uh, well, first of all, what is the debt ceiling and why was this, why was there needed to be a deal in the first place? Totally. So the debt ceiling is essentially um, the limit of how much money the federal government uh, can, can be in debt at any given time. So that's us paying back um, money that we have already spent. So I'm sure folks have heard about um, that if we kind of reach that debt ceiling, if we went above it, we would do what's called defaulting. Defaulting on our debt means that the federal government couldn't pay the bills that it owes, which kind of sounds like conceptual and, and maybe not tangible. But what it means in practice is that Social Security checks would have been delayed in going out. Many federal government workers wouldn't know if they were going to get paid on time or not. Um, Medicare and Medicaid would struggle to reimburse healthcare providers. So appointments may be canceled, et cetera. So if we hadn't raised the debt ceiling, um, all of those kind of horrible outcomes would have happened in addition to likely the start of a recession. So that's why the last several months has been really focused on raising the debt ceiling. Um, And how that was just raised is the Fiscal Responsibility Act, which is the deal that raises the debt ceiling and was signed into law by President Biden on Saturday. Um, And this bill averted that catastrophe. Um, Other than raising the debt ceiling, when it comes to health, what's most critical is what was not included in this bill, which sounds a little silly, but (laughs) um, the things that this bill did not is any changes to Social Security. So Social Security was fully protected. Any changes to Medicare. So Medicare was fully protected. And a real biggie is this bill didn't include any changes to Medicaid. Um, Republicans in Congress badly wanted a debt ceiling deal 
that would include cuts to Medicaid, specifically taking Medicaid away from people who don't meet these new bureaucratic work requirements. There are no work requirements on Medicaid at this point, including because of the pressure and the work of advocates and activists and people on the ground, Medicaid work requirements were not included in the Fiscal Responsibility Act, the bill that President Biden just signed. This is huge. Uh, If there had been those Medicaid work requirements included, it would amount to a $100 billion cut to Medicaid And additionally, Medicaid coverage would have been at risk for 21 million people. Medicaid is the primary uh, coverage for 88 million people in this country, which is a quarter of everyone who lives in the U.S. And most of the people on Medicaid are older adults, disabled people, and children. Medicaid is also the primary coverage for aging and disability care in homes and communities. So that includes things like home health, like personal care attendance, et cetera. Um, And if those work requirements had been included, anyone between the ages of 18 and and 54 who received Medicaid care, including people in nursing facilities, people receiving care in their own homes, et cetera, would have had to prove either that they were working an amount that Kevin McCarthy found acceptable, or they would have to prove that they couldn't work in kind of really strange, specific ways. Um, So healthcare and social security remain really, really well protected. They were not changed in this bill. Great. So uh, can you tell me about why this is even a thing? Uh, Debt ceiling has been raised multiple times in the past few years, but this is uh, the first time recently that there were demands attached to doing this basic thing. Absolutely. And that's such a good question. Um, As you said, the debt ceiling has been raised many, many times in recent years without it being a huge fight, including three times in the prior administration without any issue. Um, the administration prior to the Biden administration without any issue. And it's typically been, it's a bipartisan, really straightforward thing to do is simply to raise the debt ceiling, which is to say we can continue to borrow money to continue to pay our bills. um, So that kind of those like catastrophic things I mentioned, not getting social security checks, healthcare providers not being paid, et cetera, wouldn't happen. Um, and it's it's historically been very agreed upon that this is simply something that is required of government, that this is something that the federal government has to do. And so they do it without issue, um, including raising the debt ceiling does not require any cuts to spending, any cuts to anything. It really it's very possible to write a very clear, simple bill that says we raise the debt ceiling either to this amount or it's raised until this date without anything additional. Um, But because of our split government, there are extremists who were willing to hold the economy hostage and willing to hold so much of our our health and our future and our needs hostage in hopes of getting some of their agenda passed. Um, And that's really where why this fight is happening instead of it being a simple, easy the debt ceiling is lifted and it's in the news for two days. It turned into the six-month fight. 
because extremists wanted to include wanted to attach their agenda to it because they couldn't get it passed through regular order. And can you tell me more about uh, so so some good programs were protected like uh, Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, but some important programs uh, faced cuts. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, what is going to happen to which programs and how people will be affected? Absolutely, there are some very real downsides to this bill. Um, There are expanded work requirements on SNAP, which is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance, and there are some expanded work requirements on TANF, um, which stands for Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, and simply cash assistance to people living in the deepest poverty. Um, So we do anticipate that there will be an increase in hungry families. There will be an increase in people experiencing deep poverty without some sort of help to to mitigate some of the impact of that. Um, There is also a cap on what's called non-defense discretionary spending. That's kind of really jargony, but all it means is it's spending that is not for the military, that's the non-defense, and that it's funding that is not mandatory. So that's Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid. There was also an agreement that veterans health care and veterans programs wouldn't have any caps to them. So those are also excluded. So what that means is the rest of discretionary funding, which includes things like child care, special education, Head Start, um, and some of the other many, many things that the federal government uh, funds, will have a cap on how much funding can go there. Um, the caps won't necessarily be applied to the same level across every program. So in the next few months, we'll see advocates and activists working very hard to ensure that the programs that are close to their heart, like childcare, for example, is something we'll focus on quite a lot, um, receive as much funding as possible uh, without harming those programs. So that for the example of childcare, so that uh, 60,000 children don't lose their child care, et cetera. So what happens next, uh, I think you touched on this, is that there's going to be fights to determine what these cuts actually look like and who they affect. Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so as I, as I started to touch on, there are those caps on the non-mandatory funding pieces. So again, it's not Social Security, it's not Medicare, it's not Medicaid, it's not veterans, health care or veterans programs, but kind of everything else that isn't military. Um, There will be, um, it's called the appropriations process. So there are two appropriations committees and one in the House and one in the Senate, and they will each try to come to agreements on how much funding goes into each program um, so that things stay under that, that cap that was set by the bill that just passed. Um, So a lot of people will be pushing hard to make sure that money goes into um, care programs and and other supplemental programs and the programs that um, are critical and kind of fund and and, uh, help people survive and thrive. And so there will be a lot of push to get make sure that the funding is there for those programs. Um, The other thing is in the coming months, there is going to be an attempt to um, re-up the uh, Trump tax cuts. So folks may remember in 2017, in addition to the massive fight on healthcare, which was so critical, uh, then President Trump also passed um, a bill that had massive tax cuts for 
giant corporations, for the ultra, ultra wealthy, et cetera. Um, and this year, the co Congress would have to vote either to re-up those tax cuts or let them go. And so a lot of people will be pushing to say, we need a fairer tax system. We need a tax system that benefits everyone instead of just benefiting the ultra wealthy, the big corporations, the people who already are at the very top of our of our income system and of our tax brackets, and instead help benefit everyone, help benefit working families, help benefit the people who um just need that, that little bit of breathing room. The president often speaks about that little bit of breathing room so that people can put food on their tables, can make sure they have health care for themselves and their children so their kids can go to school and they can have just a little bit of space to be able to continue to, to live their lives. So there will be a lot of push around that, um, including extending the Trump tax cuts would actually vastly increase the debt. <laughs> The, the debt that we just lifted the ceiling so that um, we don't default on our bills. If they re-up those Trump tax cuts, it's going to increase the debt substantially with no benefit to working families, with no benefit to people who need some of that help. And instead, with all the benefit to the wealthiest and the largest corporations. So what can or should people be doing to follow on uh, the, the next battles in Congress? And uh, what can they do about it? That's a great question. Um, you can always connect with Laura, of course. Uh, <laughs> it's a great option. Um, as you know, folks can call or text in questions um, or leave comments and questions so that we can keep people kind of up to date. Um, a lot of it is going to be, you know, you can reach out to your legislators now. Even though the fight isn't in full force, you can certainly reach out to your Congress members, to your senators, and say, it is important to me that these programs are protected, that these programs that keep us safe and thriving and in our communities um, are protected and receive the funding that they need to function. You can also reach out and say, you know, I don't think we need more tax breaks uh, for big corporations, for the ultra wealthiest, for billionaires. I think that we should have a tax system that is fair so that the programs that we care about can get the funding that they need um, and I think that's kind of a key element there. Um, as well as that at Carrying Across, we're going to start pushing harder on a bill that's called the HCBS Access Act. Um, that is a bill that would make uh, HCBS, which is in-home and community aging and disability care, um, mandatory under Medicaid. So lots of things are mandatory under Medicaid, but some of them are considered optional. So states can kind of just states can say, you know, oh, we'll cover this thing, but not this whole thing, whatever. And this would set a floor so that states would have to all cover um, the same things and then could cover additional if they wanted. But at least in every state, people would get access to the care they need. And that would ensure that the hundreds of thousands of people who are on these aging and disability care waiting lists that are years long, the average waiting time is 45 months. And some states, the waiting time is as long as 10 years, can really get the care that they need. So uh, if people want to get involved in this HCBS fight, home and community-based services, uh, what can they do? Uh, how can they find Caring Across Generations? Absolutely. So you're, you can always find us on our website, which is caringacross.org. 
folks are always welcome to email me. My email is Tori at caringacross.org. Um, and we're really happy to kind of continue to bring folks into the fight and into the fold. And uh, to leave people on a happy note, how do we win this fight? How is it that uh, a good chunk of uh, the U.S. House was determined to cut health care for some of the neediest Americans and they did not succeed? How did we win? That is a great question. I love that question. And I, I meant to include, I've been asked a lot recently, how do we prevent Medicaid from being on the chopping block in the future? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blend these two together and say the way that we were able, the, the way that we now have a bill that is signed that does not touch Medicaid, that keeps Medicaid completely safe, is because of all of the work of advocates and activists for years. It's, it's both. We've done, <laughs> there was a lot of work in the past like six months. But it's, it's built on so many years of work. It's built on the fight in 2017. It's built on the fight to pass the ACA. It's built on just, uh, just decades at this point of work to make it clear how popular Medicaid is, how important Medicaid is, um, how much people understand that it is necessary. Something that, that we at Caring Across did is we... Um, commissioned some polling early in the fight to say, you know, how familiar are people with Medicaid? How much do people understand Medicaid? People are very familiar. 60% of Americans know someone who's on Medicaid, including for many of them themselves. Um, and it's very popular. It is nearly as popular as Social Security and Medicare. And the reason Social Security and Medicare are always protected is because those programs are beloved and people know they're beloved and we can continue to make it clear how critical Medicaid is, how critical it is, um, and kind of keep pushing that envelope. It was really amazing uh, this year to be in a place where President Biden was talking about Medicaid as something that has to be protected. Leader Jeffries was talking about Medicaid as something that has to be protected um, in a way that that hasn't happened to the same extent in the past. So it's really we're making progress. <laughs> um, both, I mean, it's it's huge that the bill is signed. There's no cuts to Medicaid, but we're making progress in the broader political ecosystem also. And it's it's the more that we keep making that clear and we keep elevating it, the safer Medicaid will continue to be and, and the more we'll continue to have these wins and it'll be protected. So I love that question. <laughs> <laughs> so you would say that it, it's critical, the activists, the people that are watching and listening right now, that you keep Absolutely. sharing your stories and talking about the importance of these programs to your life? Absolutely. The stories are so important. Um, I can spout numbers and stats all day long, but um, the more that that representatives, the more the public, et cetera, understand what, what it means. <laughs> Um, through people's stories and, and through sharing, the more uh, the more we'll protect it, the safer it'll be in the future. And uh, when does this debt ceiling deal end? When are we going to be facing this exact same fight all over again? That is a very good question. So this deal uh, raised it until early January of 2025. So we have some time before the next one, um, including, I don't know if you've heard, there's a big election in between now and then. Um, <laughs> but we, we have some time before the next one, but it will continue to be important to say, you know, 
we saved Medicaid this time, we can do it again. We protected it here, people will want that again. We protected Social Security, Medicare, veterans' rights. We'll continue to want to do that. Thank you. And uh, at home, uh, if you're paying attention, figure out how your representatives voted on this bill, because if they are not part of the solution, they are part of the problem, and they could hijack our country's economy again to meet their demands. So figure out how your people voted and then tell them about it. If you don't like what they did or what they wanted to do, make sure that they know that it's not acceptable and you will hold them accountable for that vote, especially as we go into a tax fight in the next few weeks. Uh, So is there anything else you'd like to add, Tori? No, that's it. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for all of your work. Thank you everybody for joining us. Keep uh, calling and texting in your healthcare and health insurance questions, and we will get you answers in future episodes. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Come back next week. This is Care Talk.